Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Welcome into the Seminole Wrap Podcast. It's another blowout, another week of FSU football, another road blowout. The last two weeks, now I combined, what is it? Quick math, top of my head, uh, 83 to 6 combined. Florida State, a huge winner at Syracuse, closing out their ACC season, 38-3, the final there. Uh, it was another impressive showing, just, just flatly showing up and dominating your opponent as Mike Norvell's team uh, seems to be finding their stride to close out the year. Welcome to another episode, man. It's uh, November 13th. Here's your recording. We'll drop it on the 14th. I'm sure if you're listening to it. So Brian Peller and your host here, no Max this week. Max is out and about traveling as he covers college football. And so uh, he's out, but we rotate John fresh in off of vacation. John Marchant back with us. So John, I'm so excited to pick your brain and, and steal all of your thoughts. You've gotten, you've had cooped up while you were out on your trip, man. Yeah, I've, uh, it's been fun, man. I, I had a good time. Went to the mountains and a cabin far, far away from most of civil, <laughs> civilization. Uh, but I, obviously, I did. I did watch um, the games and things like that. So uh, there, it's, it's fun, man. It's been a fun couple of weeks. Yeah, it, it sure has. I think so. We we didn't have you for Georgia Tech and Miami, so we can get back to those in a second. Um, but I'll start with this week because I'm sure that's what's fresh on people's mind. Obviously, you just saw it yesterday and. Um, you know, we had a bunch of people over last night, so I, I didn't watch it live, but I was rewatching it last night, and um, I, I ended up with the same takeaway, and I'd love to hear your thought, but I, I, it was my thought coming out of Miami, and it was the same thing this week, was you were just simply a better football team. Yeah, I think this is the Florida State team that we saw week more or less week one against LSU. Right. Uh, this is the key thing is this is a healthy Florida State team, finally, and they only got healthy – during you know the bye week after Clemson, uh, and it was really unfortunate. And you know the biggest meat part of your schedule with Wake, NC State, and Clemson in uh, early October, FSU was not healthy. And again, they still almost won. They should have beaten North Carolina State anyway. Um, you know, even the Clemson game did end up being kind of a backdoor once uh, one score game um, by losing by six. You know, you did lose by ten to Wake, but. This is what this healthy Florida State team looks like. This is what they are capable of if they are healthy. If they were to play Wake or North Carolina State or Clemson today, I think all of those results would be different. I'm not going to say that Florida State would win, but I, I, I mean, I would think that they might probably beat NC State this time. Um, and the Wake Forest and Clemson games probably look quite a bit different, but. It is what it is. It's how it goes. Uh, but I, I don't know anyone who could be upset with how Florida State's played over the last three weeks. Yeah, and, and it's um, 
it's funny, and I really like the way you put it. This is a, a healthy Florida State team. This is what they would look like, what we knew they would look like, or I don't want to say knew what they looked like, but we, we felt like coming out of the first week, this is what they were capable of, the first three weeks. And I, and I, and I said it a couple of times last week where I said, you know, this team's found it. it. It found what it was three weeks ago, and I think I wrote that in my staff prediction as well, or three weeks ago, for the first three weeks of the season, right before Jordan Travis got hurt, before – uh, verse, I think got hurt in that game. Fabian was obviously hurt early in the season as well. And, you know, you just pile them up and, and you saw where they weren't what they were supposed to be. And, and it's funny to your point that you just made a second ago was, um, my friends last night, and obviously I'm an LSU guy and a lot of my friends are LSU people. And I was talking with them last night about, you know, LSU could be this far along and they could be this number one or whatever. And I said, and they were like, man, I just really wish we hadn't lost to Florida state. And I said, you know, it's funny because LSU is better than everyone thought they were. And I said, what's funny to me is like you guys are dismissing Florida State, but Florida State's like not even like three quarters away from being a top 10 football team. Like right. if they play and even with the injuries they had, which if you want to write those off as that's part of football, deal with it too bad. OK, but even if with the injuries, you don't play a terrible second quarter against Wake, that game's right there for you. You know that we talked about the middle eight against Clemson. If you you don't have the horrible turnovers that you had right in the end of that first half and then get just dominated to start the second half, that game was right there for you. And then obviously NC state was very much right there for you, even down to the very end of the game. So, I mean, like, I was like, Florida state is, this is a borderline top 10 football team this year. And and this is what they're, this is what they were capable of. Yeah. I mean, this is what they are. They're going to be like number 19, 18, 20, then the rankings come out this week and, and then they deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they are an elite company. You look at uh, the offensive yards per play and defensive yards per play allowed. I think they're one of only three or four teams in the country. that are in top 20 or something like that. Top 20, both categories. Um, they, between the twenties, they are an elite football team. What's killed them this year is one injuries and two uh, issues in the red zone, right? Yeah. Miscues, turnovers, just not being able to put the ball, uh, you know, punch it across across the goal line. Um, and yeah, when they're healthy, they're going to have some of those issues. Like, again, Syracuse on Saturday night, we saw that they, they give it to Travis running, right? It's one of the equalizers of a quarterback running is it changes the numbers. That's one thing, you know, again, part of it is Florida State's tight end play has not been uh, very good this year overall. Uh, but the receiver play we saw kind of skyrocket, right? And they've been super explosive. I think you've pointed out before, they're the most explosive team in the country right. on offense. Um, and they don't give up explosive plays on defense. I, th- I think they're, uh, I don't know. Yeah, their yards per play allowed on defense is, the, I think, the best in the ACC and like 10th or something nationally or somewhere up there. Um, up. Yeah, something like that. But they, they've struggled in the red zone for a couple of different reasons. Again, miscues, uh, injuries. Um, again, not great tight end play. And, uh, you know, Travis was hurt for, for the kind of middle stretch of the season a little bit. He, he wasn't um, running as much. Even now, he's not running as much as he did last year, partly because you don't need him to. But, again, uh, I, w- I was happy to see them do that in the Syracuse game, and he got himself a touchdown. I think he scored three different ways on Saturday against, against the Orange. So yep. that was pretty fantastic. So, again, schematically, I love a lot of what this coaching staff is doing. Um you know, we talked before about how maybe they could even get more out of it if they ran more, uh, uh, they pass more out of running formations, right? Um, Marquez and Douglas has, has developed a little bit this year. He was kind of a non-factor early in the season, but as the year has gone on, he has uh, kind of emerged a little bit. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what he does next year. Um, so I, I look, I mean, this staff can coach, they, they, can, they can game plan, they can play call. Uh, Norvell's done a great job with that this year, in my opinion. And again, there's been mistakes. There's been questionable things throughout the season. But overall, this team is uh, – we know who they are now, right? This is who we thought they were. They are a very good fringe top 10 team, especially when they're healthy. And I, I guess the overarching point to me is, is they don't have the depth, right? When a couple of guys go out like Fabian Lovett, they don't have the depth behind them to continue that like high level of play, which is why we saw kind of dip a little bit. Yeah. And again, unfortunately, in the toughest part of your schedule – um, even though they were still competitive. Right. Uh, but, but now that they're healthy, they're crushing teams. Uh, I think the last time they blew out three conference opponents in a row was 2013. I think it was by 30 points or whatever it was. Um, three in a row was, was like 2013. So they're playing at an extremely high level right now. Um, 
I'm I'm blown away. I'll admit, I, you know, to go back uh, a little bit to the very beginning preseason, my personal preseason prediction was seven and five. They've already beaten that. They're yeah. almost certainly, barring any disaster, going to win next weekend against Louisiana and Lafayette. Um, and they're going to be eight and three going into uh, a home game against Florida, the Gators. So I don't know how you could be upset with what this team has done. It's just it's nothing short of remarkable. Yeah, and and so just to follow up on that point you made before, they are first in uh, offensive plays of over 20 yards, and they are fourth in the country in fewest plays allowed over 20 yards. So, I mean, they're explosive, and they're not giving up explosive plays. So, I mean, right there is a very easy combination of good football team. Um, You know, you're making teams earn the touchdowns, and you are – not having to chunk play your way down the, or, or, you know, uh, nickel and dime your way down the field. You can get them in chunks and, and uh, make it happen. I, what I said uh, coming out of Georgia tech and, and especially last week. And I, I, again, I wrote this, I think in my staff prediction was just this team's found their recipe, right? Like they found it. It's we're going to lean on Trey Benson who looks every bit of the rust has come off. I mean, that guy looks like a monster. Yeah. He's so explosive. And Jordan Travis looks healthy again. He looks like he knows where receivers are going to be. It looks like the guy that we saw playing against Florida State where there were three or four throws where Tommy Max and I were sitting in the press box and looked at each other and just went, wow, that's that's a good throw. Like that's that over the linebacker, dropped it into the tight end, you know, and, and those types of throws are back. And you know what? They're not even like needed. I mean, like this weekend, like it, or this week's game against Syracuse, uh, the, the pl- big passing plays were just RPOs that he got out quick made a good read and the receivers made plays in space on Johnny Wilson's touchdown. And uh, I forget about the, the other one, but they, you know, like they were just good RPO reads. That's all you need to do. If you've got this great of a running game, they, they need to step in and stop it. Otherwise Trey Benson's going to rip off 10, 15 yarders at a time. And you, you've got to commit guys to tackling. Well, that's the thing for me about the running game that, that you brought up is they are, they physically dominated the last three conference opponents, right? We, yeah. we talked before about, you know, look, you, maybe you're still not in Clemson's Clemson's uh, uh, level yet, but you know, you got to get better. You have to start beating conference opponents. They're not just doing that. They are again, the last three weeks. And I, and I know they're, you know, you're not talking about the best the conference has to offer the last three weeks um, that that ship already sailed this year. But again, in my opinion, if they played those three games, Wake, NC State, and Clemson, again, the results would be a little bit different. But the point I'm trying to make is they physically dominated conference opponents again, and they haven't done that in a long time, right? And so, like, that one touchdown of Johnny Wilson, again, the, the whole thing about Mike Norvell and his scheme and all this other stuff is he will give you one-on-one opportunities, right? But at Florida State, he expects you to win that matchup. He'll give it to you. He'll scheme it up. But he want, he expects you to win. And – He's done that. He, and Norvell's not married to either the running game or the passing game. He he molds it to the players that he has, which whatever he has, which I think is, again, why Florida State's offense has been a top 10 offense or top three offense, if you want to argue it, in the country this season, is because he's got both. He's got both the running game with a good run-blocking offensive line and good running backs like Benson. Um, with, you know, Mario Cristobal's hilarious comment aside. And then uh, – <laughs> which was a joke. And then you have excellent receivers, but like the touchdown of Johnny Wilson against Syracuse, there's no scheme. I mean, yeah, you, you run the formation to scheme Johnny Wilson one-on-one, but then uh, to your point, you don't have to overthink it. Just get him the ball and he's going to run them over for a 20 something yard touchdown, whatever it was. So at some point you don't have to overthink. It's just, you have better players go out and let your better players dominate. And they've done a great job of that. So yeah, and it's so impressive to to see their ability to, I mean, uh, how deep they're going with the receiver. Malik McLean was the other one that came to mind. That stiff arm mm-hmm. he had last night for the touchdown. I mean, oh yeah, I just can't understand how deep they continue to go at receiver and finding success. I mean, God, how many times a year ago did you and I sit here and go, if they had one guy who could consistently catch the ball, they'd be so much better. And, and now yeah. they've got it. <laughs> they've got it for yeah. like ten guys. Yeah, you're right. They were the worst position group in the ACC last season. And we were talking about hopefully maybe they could find a number one receiver. And now they have maybe the best receiving group in at least the conference, one of the better in, in, the, in the country. So, and, and Winston Wright still hasn't even played this season. That's just absurd. I, I don't know who's going to say who, who, who might jump to the NFL, who will stay, but well, it's just ridiculous how Norvell has transformed 
there's room, right? And you still have issues with pass blocking at offensive tackle. And, and you're looking at maybe a step back at defensive tackle next year. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But, you know, Norvell, the point, though, he has done an incredible, maybe even unsustainable job at plugging, not just plugging these holes through the, through the portal, but, but elevating, right, these position groups through the portal. It's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, and so I, and I'll open the door to kind of revisit some other games now and to go back and, and talk that Georgia Tech and talk Miami. We've kind of touched on it, but, um, you know, you, you also brought up Cristobal if you wanted to go there. But what's, what's surprised me so much in the last couple of weeks is that they have found such a consistent level of play. And we when we talked about it before coming into this year, we, we always meet, especially me, you, and Juan last year, we're talking about, you know, lose a lot, lose a little, win a little, win a lot. And I, what I was telling Max last week is, is in, in the win a little year, you'd expect like the mistakes to cost you get, like you would make mistakes and have that one or two, like, ah, darn, we should have had that game. But what's yeah. weird about this team is those games are Clemson, Wake, and NC State, who are three undeniably good to great football teams. Like you didn't do that against, you know, Georgia Tech or Boston College or, you know, Duquesne, I guess. Like you you handled your business against the teams you were supposed to, which has been the most right. impressive part of this. And you're not even doing it where like, man, we just, we narrowly escaped uh, over Miami. I mean, you smoked them. And, and you did yeah. the same, you turned around and did the same with the Syracuse, which, you know, when Max and I talked about it last week, we're like, you know, if Schrader's out there, they're going to be a tough, a tough out. And they weren't, even with them yeah. out there. Listen, the Schrader wasn't fully healthy either. He didn't run no. as much as he normally does. But if he had been, I don't think it would have really made that big of a difference. Right. Uh, you're not one guy, one kid healthy like that is not is not making up a thirty a five touchdown depth. It's just not. Even if it ends up being a two touchdown, you know, or even a ten point game, it's not. A, he's not making up five touchdowns. Uh, I don't know what else to say. I mean, really, in the win a little, which is what we like you said we thought this year was going to be, the only real games that started like that were LSU twenty four twenty three. And Louisville, 35-31. The rest of it, when they've won, every other one on the schedule, right? Duquesne, Georgia Tech, Miami, and Syracuse. They won 47-7, 41-16, 45-3, and 38-3. It's been their losses more of a, a lose by a little. They lost to Wake Forest by 10, NC State by 2, and Clemson by 6. So there's not really been a whole lot of win a little. It's been crushing everybody except those best teams when you weren't fully healthy and they were more like lose a little. So I, I get it. I mean, this team, again, part of it too, is the way it played out. We talked about, you know, they're, they're healthy now at the end of their schedule. Um, but I look, you're, you have a chance. You're going to be favored against Florida. You have a chance to if you win your bowl game to finish with 10 wins. Yeah. When's the last time they did that? I don't even, I can't remember. It's not been well, that long I'm gonna ago. guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a total guess and say 2017. Yeah, probably. I don't. Football I don't. Seasons. I'll look it up. Oh. So, but but like out of that list of games you just brought up, like the only one that comes to mind as like the quote unquote like win a little. Now, if, like if you're playing at home and you're like, ah, oh, let me see what year they went. Ten. They last won ten games. I'm gonna wait a second to let you have your time, think it through, make your guess because I'm about to give you the answer. Spoiler alert. Here it is. 2016, they won the Orange Bowl, 10 and 3. Oh, my goodness. That was the DeAndre Francois, right? Was that Mi the Orange Bowl against Michigan? Yeah, 32, 33 over Michigan. Yeah, so just, I, I get, Just a few years ago. Yeah, only, only a couple. Uh, they Again, they've exceeded all my expectations. Um, and, you know, some people may, may hate and argue and say, oh, they've only blown out. The teams aren't very good, but LSU is a top seven team. They're going to be number six um, this week, yeah. Yeah, number six. Uh and again, if you had beaten North Carolina State like you should have, and your only losses were to Wake Forest and Clemson, you're looking at, I mean, Florida State is borderline, would be a borderline ranked top 10 team. So it'd be probably number 11. Yeah. Right I mean, in that window. Yeah. You'd be right there. You'd be right there with Alabama. You'd be right there with Clemson. You'd be right. You, I mean, you'd be sitting right there. Yeah. And if this was, if this was in the expanded playoff area, which is coming up very soon, you're talking about Florida State making a playoff spot. So. Yeah, I you know this this is a good team. Um, and again, they're not just beating some of the bad teams in the conference or some of their opponents; they're crushing them. So, well, so 
Well, to that point, like you mentioned, like uh, Schrader didn't look himself, right? And, and But that doesn't make five touchdowns worth of points. Obviously, uh, for the Miami game, Tyler Van Dyke doesn't look himself. Yeah, I, he I wasn't told, healthy either. I told Max last week, I couldn't believe they put him on the field in the shape he was in. Like, if he'd make a throwaway and, like, grab his shoulder. Right. And I was like, what are we doing with – like, if he, can't, if he can't throw the ball away, why is he out there? And, and right. they eventually pulled him and – but um, but same thing with Schrader. Even if Tyler Van Dyke was fully healthy, wouldn't have made a difference. Floor right. still, still winning that game by multiple scores. So Max and I talked about this a little bit last week, but I, I love to get your bigger picture perspective since you're our, you're our sage old veteran. Um, <laughs> how important is is beating a, a crystal ball in year one? Now I, I know Miami's out there doing their recruiting and transfer portal on the idea of. Um, you come here, you're going to fix this program. You're going to start from year one. And I've seen some of their commitments tweeting to as much. Like I, I, I'm still committed to Miami because I'm going in there and I'm going to fix it. I'm going to, I'm starting day one and I'm taking over. Um, and Max is like, well, can't, can't Miami use that against Florida state? Cause we're built like, you know, you know, we're building a program that is further along. And I said, I still think Florida state has plenty of spots where you could bring guys in to start immediately. Um, so I, di- I didn't take it that way, but I'm curious kind of what your overall thoughts are since we didn't get them last week on, on an overall blowout of Miami and kind of where the programs both are. Uh, I think Miami's in trouble. I think Miami might have a cultural issue similar to the one that Jimbo Fisher left and the one that uh, Mike Norvell took over. Um, I think I here's my overall thoughts on Chris Wall. He's obviously a good recruiter. You look at teams that you know how how well he's recruited um you know especially at Oregon and the teams that he put together he's going to recruit well enough that at some point he will have a good team right just because if you put enough talent together you're you're, it's it's going to happen you have so much talent that yes you'll it's going to be a good team but overall his history seems to suggest that most of those years outside the year you happen to have a good team your teams will be talented, but they will underachieve. And we saw that same thing that, you know, what happened to him or Oregon play out this year in Miami. He, that team, that Miami team is talented. I know Van Dyke got hurt, but that team is talented. And they don't technically have very bad coaches. I think I think Josh Gaddis, right, the offensive coordinator, um, I don't think he's done a, as good of a job as Rhett Lashley is scheming an offense for Van Dyke this year. But he did, I think, win the Broyles Award or something like yeah, that. Yeah, last so year, the system of the year. Right. So you can't say that that it's a bad staff per se. Um, it, but everything starts from the head coach and it goes on down. We, we saw that Jimbo Fisher at AM this year. So right. who are uh, hilarious three and seven. So yeah. no bowl game for Jimbo's preseason ranked number six Texas oof. AM Aggies. Painful, but uh delicious. So <laughs> my my thoughts on Crystal are at some point, if he's if you give him enough time, he will put a good team together. What what that team looks like, I don't know. It could still be very talented and also underachieve, even though they be, they could be a borderline top 10 team. But most of the years he's gonna underachieve. That's what he's done in Miami. I think it's kind of exposed um some issues there within that program because he you could argue he made the same mistake Willie Taggart did in, in kind of giving preseason incorrect expectations, which to me I've learned through the Willie Taggart experience is a humongous red flag for a coach to do. Um, you should know the type of team that you have and, and set the expectations accordingly. Uh, it looks like my uh, crystal ball failed at doing that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, we talked before a little bit, maybe about how the type of kid that Miami seems to recruit, like, Miami is a private school, right? They're a good school, but they have innate recruiting advantages related to the city of Miami, and Miami would be dumb to not use those, right? Partying, the nightlife, all the other stuff. But it seems to maybe sometimes, not all, but sometimes attract a certain kind of a kid who maybe, you know, it's maybe harder to create a team atmosphere or something like that. I don't know. It's just, I think it adds an element to the culture that can be difficult to rein in where, you know, under um, previous coaches, you might have like the DJ in the locker room kind of thing, right? I'm sure the kids like that enjoy that, but that doesn't really seem to be part of a winning formula on the field. So, you know, I think Cristobal is a good coach, um, but it'll be interesting to see how long the, the, I guess, administration at Miami will want to continue to pour money into the football program to be serious and to be contenders again and bring back Miami glory days. If there are systemic issues within the program and they're not really 
making any forward progress, right? Although, you know, at the same time, I do have to say it is obviously still Cristobal's first year. He's got plenty of time. He'll probably be the coach for three, four, maybe even five more seasons. Um, I just, I have questions, you know, I, I have questions. It's, it, you know, they say the same thing about A&M where they get a lot of talented kids or maybe some of the kids are, you know, maybe not, not, not the greatest kids that it kind of hurts culture wise. Same, maybe the same issues that Florida state had when Jimbo Fisher was here, you kind of get a lot of the talented kids, but maybe some of them turn out to be a little bit knuckleheady kind of stuff and they cause problems. Um, yeah. I mean, again, go ahead. Oh, I asked last week when Max asked me about it and Crystal ball in, in his bit there. And I said, I just, I worry if I was a Miami fan about the way he, he coaches in a very strict sense. And that's not to say that that's not going to work in today's college football. I think today's college football is moving away from that type of coach, but you know, I, 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 I can't sit here and tell you that I don't think that can work. My concern was, does that work in a situation like this? Like, like you're talking about, like, we're like the kids have the ability to just pick up and go. And, and if he, he wants to, you know, he, he comes in as a talented team and he says like, Hey, you know, that these aren't the guys I want to win with. They don't have the the heart or the drive or whatever. And those kids can just pick up and leave. You know, it's, it becomes a much farther uphill battle because I mean, you know, and to compare the programs, I mean, Florida state's roster, probably this off season wasn't as good of a roster as Miami's was, you it know, it just said, yeah, right. It, it simply wasn't. I mean, you and I both sat here and talked about how Tyler Van Dyke was one of our, like probably the three best quarterbacks in the country and, um, explosives that explosive in that running back. I'm sure the receiver turned out to be not as good as maybe we thought, but, um, you know, I think if you're a Florida stage fan, you have to look at what they've got there and think, you know, your coach is maximizing what you have and their coach is basically folding his arms and saying, you will fit my system or you will leave. Uh, you know, I think if you've got a coach who's willing to mold and adapt and, and theirs is more of like a too bad deal with it, you've got to like where your program is comparatively with your in-state ACC rival. Right. Well, I, I think that's a great point that you bring up, too. And I, Mike Norvell is a military dad type head coach. He's he's strict. But you saw with the example on the sideline with Deuce Ban, he he coaches the right way. And players going all the way back to Memphis have talked about he's the greatest coach that they've ever had. And they'll all go to bat for him. Uh, so will Chris Ball get the same results in Miami? I don't I don't know. I mean, they're obviously two different people. I I I do think Cristobal's, if you know, kind of tough approach can work. That's not really my issue with him. I guess my issue with him is more of just the the on field or game day coaching, the, the game planning and and the way that he they they coach on game days. It just doesn't. Right. There's some there's a history there that shows that there's something lacking, um, and, and because it's apparently gone on so long, that's that's on him now, right? If you can't be a successful coach at any level, NFL, college, or whatever. If you're not self-scouting and approving your own tendencies, your own shortcomings. And this seems to be a staple of Mario Cristobal's teams going all the way back to whenever he first became a head coach. So, uh, well, I, I mean, <laughs> one last thing. There's one other thing we haven't talked about either, which is, you know, anytime in the transfer portal era and all this other stuff, when you hire a new head coach, you have what we, we've talked about before is the transition classes. And one reason why it took so long for Mike Norvell and this Florida State program to get to where they are today is because he, when Norvell took over, he had two transfer classes sitting on the roster, on the books, one from Jimbo Fisher, one from Willie Taggart. So, or one from, I'm sorry, one from Willie Taggart and then one from whenever Mike Norvell took over. And again, you, you recruit those kids when you come in, you only get about two weeks now, right? Because of the early signing period, a lot of those kids in those classes leave. And that's why Florida State has had to rely so heavily on the portal. Um, there's chinks in, in Clemson's armor because, you know, Double Sweeney doesn't want to touch the portal because he's super into his own culture thing, whatever. But Cristobal taking over Miami, they're going to have a transition class on the books. That's something that he's his recruiting is going to have to overcome if he wants to take Miami to where they, you know, he wants them to be. Um but I don't know. It's not going to be obviously an overnight fix for Miami. I, th I think they're at least three, four years away, I think. Yeah, which is interesting because they were pretty much the consensus pick to win the Coastal this year. And, I, and so then in that, in that aspect, right, obviously I, I mentioned it before, it's year one for Cristobal. They've got the transition class. They've got to go through their kind of phase of, of resetting. Um, looking ahead on your schedule, you have Florida still to come. So 
How important do you see a... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Win against Florida to kind of sweep this one. And like you said, I think you're going to be favored. You you should, in my opinion, beat Florida. I think you're better at that. You know, Anthony Richardson is going to give them every opportunity to be in and potentially win the game. But, um, you know, I think you're a better football team. But so how important do you see where I mean, a year ago we were sitting here or maybe, you know, a year and a half ago, I'll say, like, you know, maybe 18 months ago. And uh, Florida was potentially heading to a college football playoff or or whatever with Dan Mullen. And uh, Miami was, you know, probably a better I I wouldn't even say probably Miami was a better football program than you were at the point to now where you'll have Norvell in. Probably was it entering year four, I guess, because um, mm. unless we're giving him kind of the red shirt year and call it year three with whatever <laughs> COVID was. Um, how do you see it as where you've got that coach entering year four, kind of stacking his classes, having the successes in the portals and potentially leaving this year with wins over both of your rivals in year one? Um like this it's kind of setting up to be do you do you buy that to anything do, do you think that's really important i mean obviously winning is important but do you think it has any long-term meaning uh do i think the winning the four game is a long-term meaning i'd have to say that's a good question my first because, thing say, well my first thing see, would, would be to say no but if you beat both your rivals coming off of, you know, what you were five and seven last year, you lost to Jacksonville State. People were calling for Mike Norvell to be fired. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. You know, like you said, you know, Florida had a good season. Miami looked like they were resurgent. Um, to beat both of them this year, I think the most likely outcome, most likely outcome of that would be Mike Norvell might get an extension. Uh, it's probably a little too early to talk about that, but he might. If you beat both your rivals, you know, you kind of have that big swing. You finish nine and three and you go to a good bowl game. Um, that's what I think would be most likely happen and maybe the most the biggest long term impact. Um, but even if you if you lose to Florida, you're still finishing eight and four. Yeah, it might leave a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth, but you're still getting the bowl game. Again, you're still talking about finishing eight and four a year after finishing five and seven. You're going to first bowl game since 2017, your first. Uh, they, I think they have now what their first the conference winning record and since 2017 or something like that. Yeah, there's too many accomplishments. The rebuild went too far above expectations this year. For in my opinion, the, the Florida a potential Florida loss to really dampen my spirits. Uh, I don't think it should dampen the spirits of of no nation uh, really all that much in my opinion. But I, I, I again, if you beat Florida though. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the, the the expectations might even be too high going into next season, right? Because they're right. going to be like, oh, I want to compete with, you know, Florida State needs to compete with Clemson for a uh, conference title. That might be a little premature, in my opinion. Oh, um, but maybe not. I don't, I don't know. We'll <laughs> see We'll see how Norvell recruits and, and what the kind of kids he gets out of the portal, who leaves um, early for the NFL. It's, uh, I don't know, man. It's fun. It's a fun place to be. Right. I, I, when I was watching the Syracuse game with my, my buddy the other night, um, we were joking about the fact that it was so much fun for the second half to be boring in a Florida State <laughs> game to be up so much. You know, Rodemaker comes in at the end of the third quarter. It's already garbage time. And you're like, this is incredible. Uh, haven't <laughs> had that feeling in a really long time. So um, it's I, I told you guys before this season, we talked about this. This was going to be a fun season, and it has been. I know, you know, in the conference race kind of fell short of, of their goals. Uh, but it's been fun, man. Blowing out conference opponents is fun. 
Yeah, in hindsight, I think you wish you could trade maybe the LSU game for the maybe NC State or Wake game. So you can you, you've got two conference losses and are kind of um, I mean, look, even then, I mean, I guess well, Clemson, maybe. Clemson doesn't have a conference loss, but you're, you're flirting with it. You know, you're 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 there. But you know what's cool about that LSU win, though, is that puts Florida State one of like three teams to, to win a game against a top seven opponent this season. Yeah. I think it's all like what Georgia, Florida State, and uh, who else? I'm trying to think who else would have lost in the top there. Uh, Tennessee. Tennessee beat LSU. Yeah. Tennessee, maybe. maybe uh, who else? Cause, well, because I think Ohio that's the State, three. Maybe. That's the three because Georgia, because Georgia beat Tennessee, who's number four. Tennessee yeah. beat LSU, who's seven. And then you beat LSU. And, uh, Florida State beat LSU, who would be seven. Right. So that would LSU, be the, right. be the three. Beat Bama, but Bama's not top seven anymore. They're like ninth right. or something. So yeah, they're they dropped to I think ten before they beat uh, Ole Miss this okay. weekend. So yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty rare error, and it, it probably vaulted the whole thing. But you know, I mean, you weren't going to win the conference anyway because Clemson. Like I said, I was the, the math there. What didn't make any sense. But I was I was spanking Clemson as having a loss, but the Clemson loss wasn't a Clemson loss because. Yeah, and I'm kind of – I mean, this is not the same NC State team that Florida State played, but I'm kind of pissed I lost to Boston College in Raleigh where they never lose. How, what, yeah. What, what is that? How and a backup quarterback from Boston College too. It was it was annoying. Uh, I, I saw that hurts. one. My friend, one of my friends texted me. He was like, Boston College? And I was like, they lost NC State, right? And, and he's like, no, they, they – or they beat NC State. I was like, what? And what? Notre Dame Notre Dame beats Clemson, the same Notre Dame team that lost to Marshall. You know, they have Notre Dame seems to have found it. Um, I picked that one. I picked Notre Dame that week. I thought they they found the run game and the defensive formula to start with, like winning those games. Sort similar to what Florida State has, where they they're leaning heavy on the run at rushing attack. The offensive line's gotten behind it and it's working. And it was similar to that. And uh, I was like, they're beating Clemson. Like that's that's just gonna happen. And they yeah. they they throttled them. Uh, the problem for Clemson is that they, their offense just disappears at times, and, and it's just you can't win like that. Right. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't – I mean, the ACCs, they got the one – their best team in Clemson, but they're not really – I mean, they have a bunch of good teams that are that are bowl eligible. So there's a lot of, like, good quality there, but they don't have that kind of Georgia, Ohio State kind of team. Yeah, they don't. And it seems like I, – I, I could be wrong here, but I – it seems like their their playoff chances are out, even with Clemson only having that one loss to NC, to Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to make it. Yeah, I don't. Even with like the stack of teams in front of them, they're ten. Yeah, Clemson. So Clemson was ten in the latest rankings. You have to think they'll move in front of Oregon is the only team ahead of them. I think they'll step in front of. Um, yeah, I mean. Uh, it just seems like it, like and that's tough, man. I guess if you're Clemson, like to take one loss and basically just have your season kind of over, I, I guess that speaks to the perception of the ACC, which is, I, 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 I've, I'm a loss for words here because my complaint is that there are a lot of very good ACC teams. Like North Carolina is very good. Um, I think NC State, when they're healthy, obviously is very good. Their defense, even when they're not healthy, even when they don't have Devin Leary, their defense has kept them afloat so well because their defense is so good. Um, you know, Wake Wake is very, very strong team. Uh, you know, Louisville is not not garbage. Um, yeah, like they were earlier we- this season. There's just so many teams in this conference that are good, and it's just like because they don't have like a, a strong second team, like Clemson just kind of gets dinged for it. Um, right. But but yeah, I mean the ACC still. I think I read second in the in the Power Five among bowl eligible teams. So it's it's a high quality conference. There are a bunch of good teams uh, in this conference this year. So you know, Florida State's record hasn't been that easy. No, it hasn't. Um, especially at the times that they played. I know that maybe you could argue they got lucky with LSU getting them early. But yeah, again, Florida State's better now too. So well, you know. I- I just I wonder why like why does the ACC not and I guess it's just because they don't have like a second like I guess Florida State in rankings is going to be your second best team after this week because the NC State lost they'll drop yeah I mean they're going to be neck and neck with Florida State not Florida State NC State I guess North Carolina is going to be actually your second team but they haven't played them you could argue that right now today Florida State is at worst the third best team in the ACC today that may be even argument for second because Wake's kind of fallen off a little bit, and NC State's definitely not the same team. I still wouldn't put them above Clemson. But they're definitely I, better than NC State. So who else is better? 
North Carolina. I, I would pick Florida State to beat North Carolina. Now that North Carolina Florida State game would be wild because NC uh, North Carolina Drake May is is an incredible quarterback. They put up some points, but their defense is bad. It's bad. That, that it's game very might bad. be like fifty-five to sixty or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, uh, that would be a fun game. I, uh, I would say Florida State is a more complete team than North Carolina, though, because their defense is better than North Carolina's defense. Yeah, which is what makes North Carolina Clemson. I think is going to be interesting because North Carolina's defense is so bad. But Clemson's offense can also just totally disappear. disappear. So yeah. if that happens, then is who knows? I mean, but that that Clemson's defense is great. So, <laughs> but if 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 DJ is on that night, Clemson could put up fifty. So right, and if he's not, then it could be you know. And then if Drake May is on, there's a wide range with those two teams, just because one half the ball can just totally not be on. The, like they might as well just not be on the field. Right. But I, so I want to bring him back to, to UF and Anthony, Anthony Richardson. He's obviously not a great passer. They, they did lose Kyle Pitts uh, and, and Kyle Trask has been in the NFL for a couple of years now. So they've lost some, I mean, Napier, I, again, I think the jury's still out on him and whether or not he's actually going to be a good coach. I think that game could end up being similar to the Louisville game. I think Richardson is an incredible athlete. I think Florida state, even with better talent at linebacker with uh, Deloach and, and Bethune may, I mean, there's no one really on defense that is super athletic that you can use to spy Richardson. So he'll probably pick up quite a bit of yards on the ground. So you could maybe end up being close to like the Louisville game, 35, 31, something like that. I don't know what the, the spread is. Um, I mean, I do expect Florida state to be favored, but yeah, you are supposed to win that game. I do think it's usually important again. And it's kind of weird that things have changed so quickly, or maybe they haven't changed that much at all. If you think about it is, you know, coming off that three game losing streak, all your goals about winning the conference or at least competing with Clemson uh, were over. So everyone was like, Oh, I'll just beef Miami and Florida. That's all I care about now. Well, now you've crushed three conference opponents in the row, including Miami. And your last real game left is Florida. And now the expectation is to win that game, maybe even by a couple of scores. So I mean, what are your thoughts about how Florida State's going to do? Well, so I'm sure we'll talk even more Florida next week. But but I got I got in trouble but from a commenter last week that I was too dismissive of, of Miami and I was dismissive of Syracuse and that I was too dismissive of Florida as well. Um, but to to uh, respond to that, I, I did in the comments. But, um, you know, my wife told me yesterday that I all like this year have been very college football obsessed. And obviously part of that is LSU was good. Um, and wasn't with an interim coach and things, but part of it is also, I do a lot of daily fantasy sports with college football. So I, I watch a ton of the games and, uh, pretty much end to end. So like, I've seen a ton of North Carolina, I've seen a ton of, uh, you know, LSU and Alabama and Ole Miss and Wake Forest games or PAC 12 games and et cetera. Um, all that to say, I've watched a lot of Florida. Um, I saw them play LSU. I saw them play Texas A&M. I saw them play, um, uh, uh, just a bunch of their games this year have fallen on DFS slates here and there. Kentucky earlier this year, Utah earlier this year. It they they have started to lean on uh, Etienne a lot more and running the ball, and, and that's allowed for Anthony Richardson to have more success running the ball himself. Um, and, and kind of in the opposite of what we talked about a few weeks ago, going into the Syracuse game where Syracuse was going to be dropping a few leading into this. And we kind of expected them to be on the slide, kind of down on themselves sort of thing. I don't believe Florida's that because they've, they've beaten A&M who's bad. Um, No other way around it. They're bad. We covered that. Um, They beat them 41, 24. That's a pretty good win. I mean, you went by 17 on the road. Then they beat South Carolina this week, 38 to six. Next they go to Vandy. I imagine they're going to, beat Vandy fairly well though Vandy just beat Kentucky this past week um surprising but I I can't imagine they're going to repeat that um and so they'll be riding a three-game win streak all in SEC play heading into your game so I believe they're going to have confidence and I I am now more concerned about this game than I was two weeks ago um just because they seem to have found some form of recipe but their their issue is still that their defense is bad I mean, their, their defense, their, especially their third down defense, they cannot get off the field. Um, hmm. You know, they, they, they are one of the worst in the country. We covered that a couple of weeks ago. Giving up 24 points to Texas A&M, 
is bad. Like that's bad. I, I I don't know other way around it. Like you're like, oh, 24 points. Well, Tennessee, yeah, they them can't score, man. They are they are awful. I mean, let's look through Florida's schedule real quick, right? They opened the season, they they lost to Utah. Oh, they beat like, Utah. Oh no, I'm sorry. Yeah, they beat Utah by three. Yeah, they lost by 10 to a Kentucky team that just lost to Vanderbilt. They only beat USF by three points. This Tennessee then, score, this Tennessee score is a little misleading. They were down by right. like eight, they were down by like 20 and scored like 20 on 20 consecutive in the fourth. Right, the and, they, and lost that. by five. Yeah, but then they crushed uh, Eastern Washington's whatever. They only beat Missouri by one score. They this lose. L- this LSU score is also misleading. It's a 10 point spread, but LSU was up, I think, 20. One or twenty-eight entering the fourth. Right, right. Then they get stomped by by Georgia the whole way. Yeah, like, like you said, they they went forty-one twenty-four against a bad Texas A&M team. Then they crushed South Carolina, and now they got Vandy and then FSU up on deck. So I I, I don't think the Vandy game is. Uh, I mean, they'll probably win, but it's not a gimme for them. So yeah, I would say Florida is not. They're not good. I I wouldn't. I don't think that they're terrible, but they're not. I, they're not very good either. That's not to say Florida State can't lose them, but I would I'd be surprised. Here's the thing: to me, that the Florida falls in between the teams you've played in the last few weeks, right? Like, I don't think they're as bad as Georgia Tech. I don't think they're as bad as as Miami. I don't think they're as bad as Syracuse. They're they're close to Syracuse, I guess. Yeah, but I I don't think they're anywhere near your. Wake, your NC or State, Clemson. your Clemson, and, and and that's where I end up. I I think they're you know you beat for uh, LSU earlier this year, which we already covered. LSU and Florida State are different teams than they were earlier this year, but you know I I don't believe that they're a team who should beat Florida State if you just stripped the jersey, like if you took the colors away and you just put you know. Shirts and skins, just go play football. It's not Florida State, Florida. I would be like, I think Florida State's group of players are better. I think the way they scheme is better. I think they're better positioned to be a better team. Um, you put the colors and stuff on it in a rivalry game like that where the guys are going to be chippy and things, you know, I, I mean, yes, anything can happen. Um, I still think Florida State's better. I, I just yeah, do. I just I do don't too. I don't think Florida can get – Florida's defense cannot get off the field, and Florida State's found a recipe to put themselves in favorable third-down positions. That's, that's where I end up is like running the ball with so much success has put them in position to convert and, and stack drives, big plays. And man, Florida just can't get out of their own way. They, they gave, they've given up like third and 14s and like third and 18s. And I'm like, that's, that's stuff like only like, you know, Oof. like the Chiefs pick up. Like that, that, that's like an auto punt if you're giving those away, you know? And so <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I do worry, you know, it's it's a rivalry week, last week of the season, go all out kind of thing, but I, I still think Florida State's a better team when it comes to it. Right. My, my other question for you is, I guess, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here because I'm sure we'll get we'll get chewed out for it because then people always have a complaint for the way things go. <laughs> but um, if you win out here and you and you finish at ten wins, do you do you have a preference on a bowl game? Is that is that a thing that people thinking about? Like, what bowl game do we get? I mean, I don't care. To me, the, the important thing is having a bowl game. Obviously, a New Year's Six. Uh, I, would be I don't ideal. know if it's even six anymore. Yeah, a New Year's Day bowl game would be ideal. Uh, I don't really care. I, what I what I think is fantastic is, two. you know what? I can't believe we haven't even talked about it yet. The two things here, the biggest thing. One, by stomping opponents, you're actually, for once, for the first time in a long time, playing younger players with real game live reps, which is invaluable for the development. And number, and number two, you get the extra bowl practices, which again, Florida State has not had in several years. Yeah. So developing the younger players, uh, it only helps you. And it's been been really, really, really nice to see. I'm trying to look up. They have okay, so football outsiders, uh, I love them. They have FEI ratings for NCAA. Is that an efficiency index? Yeah. And they have Florida State's defense as 18th in the country. Florida's is 21st. Uh, but I have to see about why. Uh, again, they could be really bad in some in some areas, though, and better in others. I was going to say, I think situationally, because I looked at it before their, uh, a couple weeks ago, their third down conversion rate was unbelievably high. It could be something like that. Unless they've totally found it. I, I, you know, I guess playing Texas A&M could do that for you. Um, so I'm sorry. I got a back. I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong page. Florida State's offense is 18th, and its offense was 
is 18th, and Florida's offense is 21st. And looking for defense, I can't believe I oh, got the pages mixed up. Uh, looking, looking, looking. Florida State's defense is 39th, and Florida's defense, Gators are – ooh, I'm still scrolling. 60, <laughs> 66th. Yeah. Their, their defensive allowed third down conversion rate is 48%. Yikes. Yeah. They so, just, it's, their issue is getting off the field. They're, they're fine on first and second down. It's getting off the field. Right. That, that's where they end up. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a big game by, by uh, Bethune and, and Deloach, uh, you know, stopping that run game and, and you know, love it. It's got to be healthy Cooper and things like that. But I don't well, know, man. It's been, it's been a fun season. Yo, well, I'm sure someone's on their computer right now or their phone. Like, what about Louisiana? I, <laughs> do you have anything there? I personally, I, you know, again, I, I'm a Louisiana guy. I, I know friends who, who cover UL, a lot of them, and um, they just, they're just an okay team. Uh, Napier left and they're just, they're just not what they were the last two years. And, you know, if anything, you got to kind of worry about here, it's, it's showing too much ahead of playing uh, Florida next week, but something, something also on the table there was that, um, I remember in the off season, there was some, some drama between UL and, and Napier, the coaching staffs kind of butted heads because they felt like Napier was uh, sucking all the players out of the program. And, and so I'm not confident um, there will be much sharing of information between the two, but, but maybe some, um, you know, playing UL and then Florida back to back potentially. Uh, but I know there was some, some, some strife between the two programs recently. Oh, I didn't know that. I, to me, I, I mean, I haven't watched um, Raging Cajuns this year. I um, don't, don't blame expect, you. <laughs> I don't expect Florida State to really struggle. I mean, they are twenty-one point favorites or twenty-four, whatever the line's at now. Yeah, it's I, right there. I, you know, one thing that Novell says after every game that I can't, I can't get it, get out of my head about you know this particular topic is. He says it's not about the team they're playing. It's about them and playing up to, like, you know, their standard and challenging themselves, all, all that other kind of good stuff. It's, it's not about who they're playing, right? And that's a good good message to have, and it looks like this team has fully bought into that because you, you saw it against the Syracuse and even Miami games. It's, it's business, right? They come out, like, it's business, and they take care of business. And so I don't I don't think I'd be surprised, I guess, at this point, um, if they come out flat against against Louisiana – I, I, I would expect them. I think the expectation should be that they come out and they, it's like a business trip and they come out and they do their thing and they get up big early. Maybe it's 35 to three at halftime or something. And you can play a bunch of the backups after halftime. Um, so I didn't know the thing about um, between Napier and his, and his old, his old uh, school, but I don't know. I, I don't think that it's going to make a difference. If I'm honest, it shouldn't. I guess it shouldn't. Should, right. It, it, it should. really shouldn't. Um, but yeah, it shouldn't. I expect them to take care of business and be eight and four. I'd be blown away if it's a repeat of the Jacksonville State game. I'd be absolutely shocked. Oh, you mean maybe nine and three? Oh yeah, eight and three. Yeah, yeah, eight and three, eight and three. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like, and like I told back last week, right? When he kind of asked me a similar question about the Miami game, I said, you know, how much does it really matter? Because Kevin Steele after the game or with crystal ball on Monday, whenever they did their interviews said, you know, Miami ran counter on like 33 of 43 <laughs> run plays. Like they just, that's all they did. And, and Miami was like, we couldn't do anything about it. They just, they ran the same play 33 times out of 40. And we just did nothing about it. For, okay. So I'm glad you brought that up. I have so many comments about that. First of all, it's, it's hilarious uh, because <laughs> they, they trolled the absolute crap out of them. Um, it that is a vanilla game plan and it wasn't just running okay it was more like 70 percent of all plays because they're running counter 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 as a play but then when they're doing play action passes they're running the counter run blocking scheme up front on the play action pass like what they did on the uh on the post to um ontario wilson for the winning score to open the game very opening score yeah Yeah. (laughs) They, that they ran the, so they incorporated that into their their uh, play action passing which i think travis only attempted 12 passes most of those were play action and most of those were off the counter run blocking action up front to fool the miami's front suck the linebackers and all the other stuff so they one the game plan was vanilla and two they absolutely annihilated miami with it and that tells you that miami was um soft first of all and undisciplined right and, and we even the articles we wrote, Tom Ignatian wrote uh, when Norvell got first uh, hired about his 
his scheme and his offense, everything like that. Norvell loves to mess with the eye discipline of football players, not just in the front seven in the run game, but he'll do the same thing with the safeties. And, and he, he had a field day with Miami safeties. So um, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is absolutely just perfect, amazing, trolled your rival while you blew them out and destroyed them. Pure annihilation and disrespect. Yeah, it's, oh, it warms the heart. <laughs> and you brought it up earlier, and I want to give you a chance. The uh, crystal balls, Trey Benson comments. Uh, I just wanted to tee you up and let, let you give your, your thoughts there. Uh, pure hubris. Uh, he deserves – Oh, you want to set up what they what they were, Joe? As well, sorry. Oh yeah, so he had said that uh, uh, he tried to take credit for Trey Benson at, at Florida State, saying these are the kinds of kids or something I recruited at Oregon or something like like, but implying that's the kids he's going to recruit at Miami and you know, kind of a just you wait, we're going to be great kind of thing. But uh, I think some of the players had kind of let it slip on on social media that uh, Benson was one of the players, uh, Cristobal, that on asked to come with him to Miami from his Oregon team. Uh, and, you know, if we're being fair, that probably has something to do with Benson's injury more than anything else. But, but it's still a joke of a thing for Cristobal to say. You just say nothing at that point. You could just wish the kid well and you're glad, you know, that he's having success. But that's not where Cristobal went with that. Um, so it's kind of a joke. Uh, and, and just, I don't know, it was easy to make fun of. He deserved to be made fun of for that. Uh, it's very silly. <laughs> but, um, you know, Benson, the way he has bounced back from his injury and the kind of player he's become has been just so wonderful, I guess is the word I would choose. Uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch him grow. I think, what is it, the last three games he set a new personal record for, for rushing yards per game? Um, yeah, he's been he's been balling. Yeah, he's he's unbelievable. And again, Mike Norvell, he will give you a one-on-one situation, right? He may scheme up a run play like counter or something where it's got you and a safety in the alley and it's you to make a guy miss. And Benson has been – it's not just power that he has, man. His vision's been excellent. He always falls forward. Um, he, he doesn't shy away from contact. His balance has been absolutely unbelievable, just incredible and fantastic. He's as good as Ward – especially over this last stretch. And he's now he's like finally kind of hit his stride. Uh, hopefully war comes back together. That is a devastating combination to, to fight as a defense between uh, Treshawn Ward and, and Trey Benson, man. Yeah. Um, but, but uh, just Pierre Schadenfreude. What, what is it? How do you pronounce it? I am having Schadenfreude. a Yeah. Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude, whatever it is from, from uh, just absolute hubris from Mario Crystal Ball. Ball. Uh, get out of here. With that garbage. Yeah, his, his numbers were 111, 128, and 163 the last three weeks. So Ooh, George, 163. George yeah. He uh yeah, that was it's it's not hard to give it to deliver a very simple, you know, yeah, you know, proud of the kid, glad he's able to bounce back. One of the best kids I coached, you know, good to see him fighting back through that and wishing the best. That's it. Yeah. That's all you need. It's a bullshit right. answer, but that's all you need. Yeah, but you don't have to be like, oh, we're you know, use wait till I Yeah. Come on. Congrats to Norvell for picking up my scraps and doing something with them. Wait till I get the kids I actually want. Well, yeah, the thing is he didn't do any of that stuff, running stuff when he was at Oregon with anybody. I don't, I don't, Morgan wasn't that good when he wasted Justin Herbert. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, that's pretty Oregon. much it. I, I mean, there's serious questions about Mario staff about, you know, after Herbert came out and, they, and blew up in the NFL and he's a good pro quarterback. Yeah. What were you doing with this yeah. kid in college? How yeah. are you not winning the Pac-12 by, like, three touchdowns every game? I don't, you know. That's pretty Lincoln-Riley at USC. Yeah, and one last point before we get out of here was was on that uh, the, the long-term setup of things. I forgot to get – I didn't give my point on that one from last week. But what I told Max was I think if you do beat Crystal Ball in like you did, right, and next year you get them at home, in theory a transition year – Let's say you beat them, right? And then if you can get this win against Florida, and maybe next year you get the same. They, they maybe lose Richardson, and they're in a transition quarterback kind of situation. Maybe you can catch them again. If you can open 2-0 and against both of them, uh, you, you kind of form where, where you'll get college football kind of building a narrative for you, uh, which we don't often see. We're like, you know, oh, does Norvell have Crystal Ball's number? Does Norvell have Florida's number? Does he have Napier's number? And I think, you know, there might be something there. Um but like to your point, I don't I don't know how much it matters. Well, but I think that that's like the narrative building where it starts like kind of getting in people's heads where like, oh, we just can't beat this guy. 
Of course. Kind of like Ole Miss, kind of like Ole Miss has with uh, Nick Saban. Right. I mean, coaches get fired for losing to the rivals all the time. Harbaugh almost got fired if he had lost one more time to Iowa State. Yeah. But they won that game uh, last year for the first time in like 10 years. So, uh, you know, Willie Tiger got fired after losing to Miami. And 100% matters. Beating your rivals absolutely matters. It was a big thing about Jimbo Fisher. He dominated Florida uh, and Miami when he was the coach here. So it absolutely matters. And that, again, that's why we, we had reduced Florida State's goals this season to, you know, just win more games than last year, make a bowl game basically, and, and try to beat your rivals, both of them. And so far, they've ticked off two of those three boxes. There's one left, beat, beat Florida and uh, beat the Gators, which, you know, again, Mark Rick, <laughs> Mark Rick wanted, I don't know if you saw that post game after, after Syracuse, Rick asked Norvell to uh, beat the damn Gators. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we get it done. Yeah. Rick, Rick with the, uh, the Georgia stop, then the Miami stop is, is no stranger to the Gators. Um, yeah. We'll have plenty to talk about Florida next week. I'm sure John and I will both be on the couch on Saturday, locked into the Florida Vandy game to make sure we've got every square inch of gator blue broken down for you by uh, next week's podcast. Uh, that'll be a nice Thanksgiving edition heading into rivalry week. So until then, for Brian and John, that is a wrap. Thanks, guys.